Christmas And when you walk down the street Say hello to friends you know And everyone you meet All right, welcome back in Pine Room on the Watchdog here on a Friday afternoon. Pleased to be joined by Mr. Mike Florio, pro football talk as he makes his way through Wheeling, dodging all the potholes, and he's uh, been nice enough to come spend a little time here with us in the Robinson Auto Group studio down here at the Watchdog. Mike going to promote his uh, new book here on our way home as well as talk a little NFL with us. He's signing copies for all of us. He was nice enough to bring. I know Coach is pretty excited about this, Coach, aren't you? Yeah, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna make a generous well, I'd say generous, but we're gonna make a donation to the um, Harrison County Animal Shelter or Humane Society, which he is promoting with his book, which you obviously will talk about. So uh, we appreciate him bringing the books. Really cool cover. He said his uh, nephew designed that cover, so he'll he'll talk about it. But you can go to Amazon. Uh, 9.99 it's pulling it up right now mike welcome thanks for joining us today we appreciate you coming back uh tell us a little bit about this book well first of all this is a different vibe because the last time i was here we were hanging out in the room down the hall and the last time it was a podcast so i was allowed to say whatever i wanted to say (laughs) this time sorry you're telling me we have a sensor button button. i don't want to test it yeah (laughs) we don't want we don't want it to be off just a little bit because i've function. seen that before where it's off just a little bit <laughs> job, so, job i don't want to get sen- anybody in trouble including myself job, is that sensor button working uh, uh, do i might- test it <laughs> <laughs> fudge <laughs> Only i didn't say fudge all right, all right good start right. that's a great start. well tell us about on our way home a little bit <laughs> well this is an idea that I had rattling around in my relaxed brain for about 15 years. Every December, I would think of just the general concept of what the book is about. I don't want to give out any spoilers, but just the general concept of what it's about. In December, I'd think about it, and then by January, I'd forget about it. And then December the next year, I'd think about it, and by January, I'd forget about it. And once I started during the pandemic to write fiction and I had gotten two or three manuscripts done this was two years ago 2021 the idea came back as it always did every December and this time it's like you know what let's go let's pull that thread and see where it goes right so I started right after Thanksgiving it's 32 chapters I finished it right after Christmas during the week between Christmas and New Year's and it's like all right I did it and after I got it done I had an agent at the time I have a different one now and, you know, you're always like, oh, hey, I got this for you. I got that for you. I got this for you. I said, hey, I got a Christmas book. He said, you're wasting your time with the Christmas book. I said, like, we're already wasting my time. I already wrote. He said, nobody's good. You know, they, it's only relevant for three right, weeks out of the right. year. And they don't sell. And yeah, it's like, well, okay, but fine. I've already written it. What am I supposed to do? So what I did last year with it, I posted on the website, profootballtalk.com, like an advent calendar, one chapter a day. Oh, neat. And I just because it's like, you know what? It's done. It's out there. I don't I, It's like, let's just see. Let's see if somebody likes it. Let's see if somebody reads it. Let's see what the feedback is. And I got a lot of great feedback on it. So I thought I would this year just put it back up again, do the same thing, do the advent calendar. Right. But it occurred to me at some point between February and May, I'm just going to go ahead, get it printed up, do it myself. I don't need a marketing and distribution arm. I have one sure. through my website. Keep it cheap. Three ninety nine for the ebook, nine ninety nine for the printed version, and give all the money away because I don't care about the money. And I know whenever anyone says it's not about the money, it's always about the money. So I don't know how many times you have to say it's not about the money 
acknowledging that whenever someone says that, it's always about the money, but it really isn't about the money, although I want to make as much money as I can for the Harrison County County Humane Society, because as we were saying before the show, I was never a dog person. I used to deliver the newspaper, and I was chased by every type of dog imaginable. (laughs) I hated dogs. And then once we got a dog, after my son was like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, I can't imagine not having a dog. I want to have 20 dogs. Anytime (laughs) I see a dog... First thing is I go pet it, and the second thing is I try to figure out how I can steal it from its owner and take it home. Uh, it's interesting. That sounds exactly like my background with a dog. I, I was never – my whole life until I got married, I never had a dog, and we're the same way now. And I told you before I wouldn't want to go into an animal shelter because I would, I would take uh, one or two or three, as many as we could have. So that, that's, that, that's an interesting um, – that's an interesting concept. Let me ask you a little bit about the the book, this book compared to Father of Mine. You said this book was much easier to write than Father of Mine. Why why was that? Well, one, it's shorter, so it's less words. <laughs> okay. So it was easier that way. It took less time. <laughs> this one was for me an experience, and I like this feeling when I write, and I don't know what anyone else's process is. I only know what mine is. When I sit down and I start going and it just goes, and I'm not thinking about it. I'm not conscious of it. It's just going, and it's almost like I'm reading it as I'm writing it, and I'm not paying attention to writing it. I'm paying more attention to reading it, and it just goes. And this one was that whole month, one chapter would lead to the next, one page would lead to the next, one word would lead to the next, and I had a loose idea of where I wanted to go, but as you get deeper into it, you get a better idea. I'm going this way, I'm going that way, I'm going this way, and that was part of the fun. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going to end up. So... Because I'd been for so many years, 10, 15 years, kicking around this idea in my head, this general idea, this what if type thing, I think once I started to let it go out, it was like 15 years of, you know, spending time that otherwise should have been paying attention, whether, you know, church or somebody (laughs) talking to me and I'm daydreaming about something else. That all kind of came together and it just kind of flowed out very easily. We're talking to Mike Florio with... uh the NFL Network. What? Not Mike, NFL Network. Uh, NBC. NBC. Talk, NBC. Right here. Talk, yeah, NBC. On, got the shirt on. See the peacock? Jeez, always. Yeah. The NFL Network. <laughs> and, oh my God. Mute his mic. Mute his mic. I didn't mute. know you guys <laughs> drink at lunchtime Hit here. What mic. the hell? Oh, my God. There, there's where we needed the, the dump button right there, Mike. I was, trying, I was, the trying, dump button. I was com- coming up with my next question, and I, I got confused there. I, I apologize Obviously. for that. I apologize. That's fine. I'm having fun. I don't mean to be a... A jerk, I'm going to say another four-letter word. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Don't worry. It's just fun. You just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as somebody who screws up all the time, you can do one of two things. You can either act like you didn't or just say, damn, that was stupid, <laughs> and off we go. That was very stupid. Move along. <laughs> that was very stupid. All right, Coach, what do you got uh, for you? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he knows something I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, maybe. maybe you got some inside information. Maybe. Maybe I got a new job. <laughs> Breaking a scoop so, here. So, uh, so back, to the, back to the book you were talking about. <laughs> you've been thinking about this book for a long time. Were you thinking about this book before Father of Mine? Yes. So, so the thought for this book was even before Father of Mine. So why did you start Father of Mine and finish that before this book? I mean, it was very simple. I had plenty of time. June of 2000, I had a dream one night about my dad and about his work, and it was one of those dreams that isn't like this crazy 50 different things that happen that make no sense whatsoever. It was very clear. It was very compelling, and I woke up the next morning, and I thought, damn, 
there's a story in there somewhere. And we were in the pandemic. People were staying home. The draft had come and gone. The offseason workouts for the NFL teams. I don't even think they had them that year. I had time. Sitting outside on my patio. Threw open the laptop. And I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. There's a story in here. This dream that happened on my birthday. This dream has something to it. And so it came. I acted on it right away. The other one, I ignored it. Or at least, you know, would <laughs> think about to, it. Right? Try to ignore it. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. This was immediate. And it's what... You know, I've only been writing fiction for three and a half years, but I've been writing and writing and writing and writing. And some would say it is fiction, but I've been <laughs> writing about the NFL for so long. And when you when you do it all the time, you develop a speed, an ability to think clearly, an ability to get it down quickly. And it's translated to fiction for me. I never have writer's block. And once I start going, I can get a lot done quickly. So bottom line is, to answer your question, long story bearable, I acted on Father of Mine right away. This one, until I realized, hey, I can do this, I didn't ever have the occasion right. to sit have, down and do have it. Have you always been a person that liked Christmas? Or is yeah. That oh, a, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Big time. I mean, because when you're a kid, and Bruce Springsteen says this in his one-man show that he did right. on Broadway, and I don't know if you've seen it. It's on Netflix. It's excellent. My wife and I sat close to the front for it, and I was never a big Springsteen right. guy. I am since then. But he basically says when you're a kid, it's Christmas, your birthday, and summer vacation. Everything else is a mind-sucking, lifeless vat of homework, church, school, <laughs> homework, church, school, green beans, green beans, <laughs> hit the button, green beans. Yeah. <laughs> so Christmas is always a big deal. I mean, you got stuff. Right. Back when uh, – I, you know, kids nowadays – and I don't want to be oh, kids these days – but back in the 70s, you only got stuff on your Christmas and your birthday. Right. You right. never got stuff oh, never. any other time. Never. Now you get all sorts of stuff. All year long. You get stuff all the time. All Christmas year long. isn't special. When you're a kid, that was the, and my birthday's in June, so it's six months. It's like it's been right. six months since I got anything. <laughs> like, so I'm even more anxious for Christmas. So Christmas was always a big deal. And being at home, being with your family, just all the good things about right. the holiday. And I, you know, and I, I've always enjoyed, you know, some of the classics. I read A Christmas Carol every year. It's only 33,000 words. I read it every year as part of the, you know, yeah, just no, being in the spirit. Yeah. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Watch it every year. And I've tried to arrange through this plot and through this idea something that lands right at the intersection of those yep. two. Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. And some people who've read this are like, boy, that, that, your book's a little dark. It's like, well... Have you have you watched It's a Wonderful Life? Do you sure. remember the scene when the guy's going to jump off the right. bridge and kill himself? That's yes. a little dark. It's not all feel have, good. Have yeah. you have you have you watched A Christmas Carol? Any of the thousands of versions of it out there? The guy is a miserable old. Right. I, I scan. I got to self edit. Yeah. <laughs> he, but, and, you know, and he's and he's haunted by ghosts, and his life is in shambles, and and he eventually sees his tombstone, and he has to change his ways before he dies alone and miserable. I mean, so so yeah, it's going to be dark. Until it's not, and so um, so anyway, I yes, I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love everything about the holidays, and I'm I'm glad that I finally acted on that impulse two years ago to put this in writing, and hopefully it's something that people will read and people will enjoy, and especially the best feedback I got last year. Someone reached out to me who read it on the website as I posted it one chapter at a time, 
And when it was done, he said, I've suffered for decades from PTSD. And it manifested itself with him in that he can't feel. He oh. can't feel emotions. And when he finished this, the switch went back on. Wow. That's so powerful. I said to my wife then, no matter what happens with this thing, number one, first of all, I got to get this in position so it can help somebody else that way. And I never intended that. Sure, yeah. But if this is the benefit that someone out there, one out of 10,000 people, if that many would ever read it, have that experience, it's worth it. And, and even if nothing else happens, it's worth it to know that inadvertently, accidentally, without any intent on my part, it helps somebody – in a very positive way. Well, and I found it, I found it intriguing uh, as I listened to your, your, your little promotion for the book that you said it's emotionally challenging um, in several ways. And it, help, it seems your, your hope is also that it mends broken relationships. And, and during the holidays is a good time for that to happen, for people that are struggling with their relationships or whatever it might be. Maybe this book, if they would read it, might be a, a, a stepping stone to get started. I remember when I was a kid and I heard for the first time about the holidays being so difficult for so many people. Yes. Right. And I remember thinking, how can that be? Right. How, how, does, how can that be? The holidays are great. Why are people unhappy during the holidays? And as you get older, you understand. And a lot of it traces to family relationships that have become broken that aren't mendable, in some cases can't be mended because the people involved are gone. Right. And that's the two-pronged kind of theme and message from this. Number one, if there's a broken relationship in your own life that you can mend, do it. Don't wait. Do it now. And I've preached that before on our podcast at PFT. Don't, like, life is too short and family is everything. If you have a broken, and anybody out here listening to this now, if it inspires you to do it, do it today. Swallow your pride, make the first move, and fix that broken relationship. That's message one. The other message is, if you're in a situation where the relationship can't be mended because the other person is gone, find a way to move on. You know, find a way to forgive yourself. Yes. Yeah. Put the bag down. And I get emotional just talking about it because I hope it helps someone because we all have regrets and some we can fix and some we can't. Yeah. And so... Hopefully that'll help. And I, and I thought it was interesting, too, that you said— Do you have that, any of that beer here? I need yeah, some of that beer. Give me one of those daughters. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that you said uh, every time you read it, the last couple of chapters— I it, lose it. It tears and you up. And it's like, what and is you, wrong and you know, with and you've me? Re you've written I wrote it. it. You wrote it. You know exactly how it's ending. I wrote it. And, and I know exactly <laughs> how it ends. And I read the last three chapters, and it's like, what is this salty discharge? Like, what in the world? I feel like there's something wrong with me. Isn't that something? There are things. Think there are many things wrong with me. We don't have enough time to address them all. But but that that that's probably the way that you're you're not hoping that people cry and get. But you're oh yeah, I am. Oh, I, oh absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. So he's gonna cry. They're gonna cry. Hell yes. I've put tears into this. You're putting your damn tears into it. Go. When you were uh, writing it, were did you were you emotional when you were writing it? Um, until or was it until after you read it? No. The the last. What happens is. It builds, it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. And I still try to keep it moving. Like, one of the things I've learned about writing fiction, whatever is on this page must inspire the reader to go to the next page. Whatever's on the next page must inspire to go. Because it, there's too many different things in our world today that will attract our interest away from something that isn't holding it. 
And if I'm boring you, you're not going to finish the right, book. Right. But it moves along, it moves along, it builds, it builds, it builds. And then it is a freaking hammer, hammer, hammer at the end. And I remember writing the last chapter. And yes, I, I remember that. And then when I went back and edited it and revised it, like it was the last three because the last couple, it's kind of tricky to make it fit just right. But the last one just kind of flowed out naturally. And so, yeah. So, anyway. And, and then it, I mean, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a cleansing feeling at the end of It's a Wonderful Life when all the friends and family members yeah. come in. And Mr. Martinez says, I broke out a juca box. And, you know, and, and it just it, how do you watch the end of that and not get emotional? Yes. So. That's what I hope. That's what I hope that this this does to people. What? I hope I hope to make you cry. I hope to cause you pain. <laughs> what kind of grade did your wife give the book? She hasn't finished it yet. She hasn't finished she hasn't it. Finished it. Hey, well, my, her father's had some serious health issues lately. Okay, four weeks in the hospital, almost died. So she hasn't had time, and she's at the hospital. And she's like, I'm going to read your book today. Well. This person's in, this person's in, this person calls, this person texts. they got a huge family, so she never has had time to really oh, okay. do it. So she's getting there. She's I'll be interested there. to hear if she cries at the end. I'm sure she, I'm sure she will. I don't know. We'll see. Let's hope if, she if she does, then maybe that's the ultimate test. If I can get through to her after all these years, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I've done something right. And so uh, is this the end of the line for the books, or are we, we going to keep Hell no. Oh, no. What are <laughs> you talking about? we still got the sequel to Father of Mine coming Well, out. I don't know. Now that I'm going to work for NFL Network, i got more, <laughs> right. got more change work things, to do. Right? I'm going to be busy. If apparently. you go to NFL Network, going to you're LA. going to say, how did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, trust me. The NFL Network is owned by the NFL. They will never hire me. I can. I am not sure of many things in this world, my friend. But, but that is one that. of which I am very certain. I've got how many others? I've got six others in various stages of completion. I'm focused now on rewrite, rewriting. Excuse me. Easy for him to say. Rewriting uh, a big portion of one that I've got a couple nibbles from two or three major publishers that had some feedback and they're interested. But I don't want to get too far into the weeds here. There were three storylines that merged together at the end. There was one storyline that they thought was weaker than the other two. So I said, fine, I'll just make a new storyline that's as strong as the other two. And we're in the process of doing that. After that, it's back to the sequel of Father of Mine, which I had gotten maybe 25% of the way through before I had to go back to the other one. And I like to always be writing a new one. I just finished a Western right before football season started. But I'm back into work on the ones that are already sort of done mode. And that's rewarding but there's something to be said for that process of just blank page no idea where it's going to go sit down have a drink light a cigar and off it goes is 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 your writing year round or are there certain times of the year where you you ramp it up then you got to slow down ramp obviously football season is well eat your time up football season and traveling every weekend yeah. is what is the killer. In 2020 and in 2021, I didn't travel at all. I did all of my NBC work from my studio in my house. Last year, I started going every other week, and by the end of the year, I was going every week. This year, I've gone every week except the one week I had COVID, the only time I've gotten COVID. I stayed home that week. But when you throw in the five to six hours door-to-door, Saturday and Monday, the, just the overall physical yeah. and mental strain Especially of travel, travel and Ooh. yeah and just and, and so Tuesday night I take a couple hours and go down to my barn Wednesday night I try in my office to carve out a little time to screw around with a little bit Friday between dinner and whenever my wife and I get together to watch a movie or a TV show or whatever I get a couple hours then and then Saturday night once I get to my hotel in Connecticut after I've finished my work for the day, 
hour, hour and a half, two hours before I go to bed, I'll, I'll do what I can. But it's not a lot of time. And when I have the time, I, just, I have to go full speed because I know during football season, I got four windows a week. When it's not football season, I got a lot more time. I've got, like, I'll take a Saturday afternoon, five hours, and, you know, or a Sunday. It's, it's, I love football season, but man, when yeah. it's not football <laughs> season and yeah. I'm home and I got that Saturday yeah. and Sunday, it is great. Do you, do you find yourself tired of football after a while? Tired of talking about it and watching it and just thinking about it? At times, it gets monotonous because during football season, every Monday is the exact same. You react to Sunday, you get ready for Monday night. Every Tuesday is the exact same. You react to Monday night, whatever's left over from Sunday, start thinking ahead to the next weekend. Wednesday is the pivot day between whatever's left over from last week and the next week. Thursday, ramp up, make your picks for this week, Thursday Night Football, Friday's the same. That's why coming up here today is great, and coming back on the 15th is great for me because I saw a documentary recently, and one of the figures in it was on house arrest, and he was explaining what he can do while on house arrest, and I was like, I'm basically on house arrest because, like, he's allowed to go to the, the store. I go to the store, and that's it. You know, he's allowed to go to work. I go to work, and that's it. I'm otherwise at home. I'm otherwise at home. So... You know, it is a nice break from the usual week in and week out, day in and day out to come up here. Although, you know, I'm getting the I'm getting the shakes because my staff is working on the site today and I'm I'm away from the office and it's just oh, kind of right. it's making that's me a little right. nervous. But it's a nice break from the monotony of the season. And and I've done it long enough now. Once you get past Thanksgiving, number one, the stakes are higher. Right. You're getting toward the postseason. Yes, the Super Bowl payoff is coming, and you can just and it's the holiday season. It's just a, once you get past that Thanksgiving hump, it's just slide all the way to the Super Bowl. Is your is your barn your getaway? Yes, because the pains have told me about your barn. Yeah, they've been I, down there. Yeah, yeah, they they come down the annual members that yeah. down there. I believe yeah. they they have a card to get into the barn, but it's not a barn. It's a it's a barn. But it was a barn. A, it was a barn with horse it, stalls. It in is it. now a man cave of sorts. Correct. It it is. You know, my nephew came to me in 2015. We had moved into that house in 2014, and the barn was down there. And I never went down there because there were bats and there were birds and there were bees and it was just it's, right. there's no reason to go down there. It's just <laughs> right, right, right. The holes in the roof. And he said, hey, "I want to take out the horse stalls. I want to put in a a." a a gravel floor because it was just dirt floor horse stalls on the on the one side. I'm going to put down gravel. We, I had an extra pool table that didn't fit in the house we have now. I'll put the pool table up. We'll have a place we can smoke a cigar and play some pool. When it's cold, I'll put a space heater right, in there or whatever. Right. One thing leads to another. We had some some trees on the property that needed to come down. And the person who did it had a mill, a portable mill. So they, they took all the wood and they made the floor. They made this. They made that. And the next thing you know, and I have no idea how much it spent and it cost, and I don't want to know how much it cost, <laughs> but it's great now. And it's, yeah, that's my that's – my, my away from everything, and all I have to do is either walk down the hill or take the four-wheeler we have down the hill, and I can go for a couple of hours and just get away from everything, hit a reset button, and then just get back to reality. That's awesome. Well, I think Beautiful. we got a we yes, call, Matt. Yes, we do. we got a caller from Mike Florio. Welcome to the show. Pine Room on the Watchdog with Mike Florio. What can we who, do for who, you today? I believe this have? is Earl on the line. Hello, Earl. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You got a question for Mike? Yeah, well, first off, Mike, I just want to say I'm an avid Pardon My Take listener, and I will take you over Hank all day. I was listening to that argument last week on my way home for Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, he had me going. But I'm glad. I knew it was coming, and I'm glad that uh, I had the chance to confront him about it. So thank you. Absolutely. And also, I wanted to ask you, 
So I'm 26 years old. Um, for 26 years of my life, I have been a miserable Browns fan. Um, I was born into it. I have no other choice but to root for them. Is there hope for me this season? Maybe just to make the playoffs. Is there hope for me in my lifetime, or should I just stop watching football? <laughs> Um, well, let's see. You have 26 years of experience to base your decisions on. <laughs> but this year I think they can make the playoffs. It looks like it possibly will be Joe Flacco at quarterback on Sunday, which is just amazing. He was out of the league two weeks ago, and he may be playing this Sunday. It puts the Rams in a bind, though, because they have to prepare for the possibility of Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's very mobile, <laughs> Joe Flacco, who isn't. So they don't know what they're going to be facing. But I think the Browns can make the playoffs. It's not going to be easy. Their defense is incredible. I was concerned by the loss to the Broncos, though. That gave me a little less faith in them. But I feel like at some point, I mean, I know that I believe every fan base deserves to experience a Super Bowl run at some point. The Browns have gotten close. It's been a long time. It feels like the right pieces are in place. I'm not a fan of the Deshaun Watson deal, and maybe they won't truly be what they can be until they move on from him, but they're stuck with him for three more years. But that defense is incredible. And I feel like things are moving in the right direction, but the AFC is incredibly competitive, and the AFC North is the most competitive division in all of football. All right. So I should hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. <laughs> Never give up hope. Don't give Keep up hope. Keep hope alive, even when it's hopeless. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, Earl. All right. See you, Earl. Hey, so, Mike, let me ask you this. So, if Deshaun Watson was healthy and playing, obviously that helps the Browns' chances quite a bit. Um, do you think they were a contender in the AFC, or you're not wild about Watson in general? Well, I just think that they put too much into right. one player. You put too many eggs in one basket. We talk so much about the contract that was given to Deshaun Watson because it was unprecedented. Five years, fully guaranteed, 200 and whatever million it was, $45 million a year. It's easy to overlook three first-round picks right. given up, right. three mid-round picks. I saw a show recently where there was a graphic of all the the players that the Texans have gotten with the Browns picks. Those are all young, relatively inexpensive players who form the nucleus of your team for years going forward. The Browns traded that in for the opportunity to pay all that money to Deshaun Watson. I think it was a mistake. Yeah. I think if the Browns were to admit it and be truthful about it, they would say it was a mistake. And now they're in a position where they don't have him. They had him for six games last year. They had him for a handful of games this year. he was rusty. Yeah, and and, and it was pointless. He had been suspended for 11 games. Last year they weren't doing anything. This year they could have done something. But he had the shoulder injury. Then he had ankle and shoulder. And it's the shoulder that needed surgery that got him knocked out for the year. And anything they do this year that is positive, they will have done without him. And they'd be even better if they would have had the draft picks that they could have had if they would have just held on to those and not traded for Watson. Yes, uh, I believe we got another caller. Uh, Chandler is on the line with a question for Mike Florio here, Pine Room on the Watchdog. Hey there, Mike Chandler here. I'm from Pittsburgh, native of you, a big fan. I wanted to ask you, um, I put a mortgage payment for the Steelers to win the AFC North recently. I didn't tell my wife, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Oh, God. Uh, long, time, long time listener, first time caller. The mortgage payment's kind of expensive. I'm hoping for a good payout. Talk to you guys soon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, Chandler. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, I... The thing about gambling is you can't win over the long haul. Only no. And they, they have these commercials now, only bet what you can afford right, to right, lose right. or whatever the case yeah. may be. But it's true. It's true. Um, it reminds me of one of my all-time favorite jokes. I think David Letterman told it. He's, he was doing his shows in Las Vegas, and he was walking down the street, and a guy came up to him and said, Hey, uh, my, my, uh, my wife needs an operation. Um, can you give me some money? And 
And the guy said to him, well, how do I know you're not going to take this money and gamble with it? And the guy said, oh, I got gambling money. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, that's good. <laughs> Priorities, right? Exactly. <laughs> Incredible stuff right there. All right, well, thanks for those calls. If anybody else has a call for Mike, uh, 304-214-1600 is the number to call Pine Room on the Watchdog as we roll on here. I think, uh, I think a couple of his old uh, high school buddies, his uh, growing up buddies, are – Supposed to call in and tell some old stories about back in the day, which I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, let's block those calls. Yeah, I don't please. know whether Mike wants to hear those or <laughs> Double not. Double screen the calls. I, I want Before we go back to the NFL, Mike, I want everybody out there to be aware and, on our callers that you're a, um, you're a Wheeling native. Um, it, what street did you grow up on again? Haddell Avenue. Had- 32 Haddell Avenue. Lived there from 1969 <laughs> until my mom died in 95, and my dad sold the house in 1997. And I moved out in 91 once I finished law school. I, you know, once you start college, you're still kind of there. It's still your permanent address, right? Yeah. Uh, so between college and law school, I still technically lived there, even though I wasn't there much. So 69 to 91, great place to grow up, great neighborhood, great yeah. friends, great memories. Back in the days when, you know... you. You know, you left the house, actually left the house unsupervised, and which is great. And came back when yeah. you knew the streetlights came on and it's time to come home. I, I, I think one of the funniest things I heard, not one of the funniest things, but I thought a really cool story was when the, when the pains, they actually told me this before you told me this, that they would come over to your house and your mother, your mother was, I believe, a real neat freak, correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, and they had to take, everybody had Plastic to Plastic on their, the couch. Had to take their shoes <laughs> yeah. off. And, and if, if not, like, it was... Like going to be problems. You weren't allowed to go through the front door ever. The front door was reserved for whenever the Pope or, as I've said before, Tom Jones showed up at the house. (laughs) Always had to go through the back door, preferably the basement. Shoes off as soon as you walk in. Plastic on the couch. Although at one point she got past the plastic and just went with a big white sheet to protect the couch from you know any dirt and grime that might be on whoever would sit on the couch. And there was a a plastic runner. That went from the front door and it was angled right toward the couch. It was like a runway. Like I'm surprised you didn't have the guy with the red lights <laughs> guiding you on the runner straight to the couch. Don't touch the carpet, even if you have shoes off. No feet on the carpet. Yeah. So what color was the carpet? Green. <laughs> Olive green. Olive green. Always great colors. There had, to be orange. Days, yeah. oh, there had to be orange in the house somewhere because usually we had some a, shag in the den. Shag in the den. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I, I thought those were intriguing stories, and I bet you have some. I bet you have some real. I mean, you're you're, you're a pretty um, uh, popular guy now, but you but you have some really. Um, Fond memories of growing up on Hadale Avenue and some of the guys that uh, Chris Basinger told me to tell you hello and go Lions. Yeah, his Lions are he said, he said, starting to fall apart. He's getting a little nervous. I yeah, bet. Yeah, Jared Goff's turning back into a pumpkin on him. <laughs> he said he sat next to you in physics class. Yep. He, 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 you, uh, you ask him for answers every now and then in physics class. I don't know if that's a true story. I don't that. know if it is either. Yeah, but he told me to tell you hello, go Lions, and, uh, and I did say – your lions are, are are showing some chinks in their armor, as you predicted early uh, this year. I just needed to see it, and and uh, their defense continues to have issues. And now Jared Goff six turnovers the last two games, three interceptions against the Bears, three fumbles against the Packers. We'll see what they can do on Sunday against the Saints. They got to turn it around, though. They're not going to last long. I mean, you look at the NFC. It's the Eagles, it's the 49ers, and maybe the Cowboys. We keep saying it's hard that. to tell. Exactly. It's hard to tell what the Cowboys are going to be, right. especially last night. Even though they won last night, right. the 49ers, when they're healthy, are clearly the best team in the NFL. Yes. The question is, can they stay healthy? Because the thing that makes them great is the willingness to run into a wall. Sometimes right. the wall wins, yeah. and you get key players injured, right. and then you're vulnerable to losing. So this game Sunday, 
this game, it's got the potential to be, and it's probably going to be a letdown yeah. because everybody <laughs> thinks this is the regular right. season game of the year. But 49ers-Eagles, great game. And then it's Eagles at Cowboys on NBC and uh, Peacock next Sunday night. Another potential great game because if the Eagles lose to the 49ers, the Cowboys could beat yeah. the Eagles and catch them at Division. least record-wise. Division, wow. you know, tiebreakers, who knows, because yeah. it's still got more time to go, but at least catch them with the same record. Yeah, yeah which would good. give Dallas a chance if they could possibly yeah. steal the home field. We've got, uh, we got another caller. Jerry on the line with a question for Mike Florio, Pine Room on the Watchdog. Jerry, go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Mike, diehard Chargers fan here. My condolences. Yeah, <laughs> not happy you picked the Ravens the other night, by the way, either. Um, is it, is hey, it, I like to be right, though. <laughs> was I right? <laughs> He's got you there, Jer. Sadly, you were right. But okay. you should have never been right. right. This team is underachieving. Is it past the point with uh, Coach Staley? I mean, are they ready to move on? Let's get Harbaugh to Los Angeles Chargers. Well, I know last year both Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton were interested in that job if it became available. I know that yes, for sir. a fact. They just didn't want to move on from Brandon Staley. The problem with the Chargers... I said this a few times recently. They are the best dysfunctional team in the NFL. There are plenty of bad dysfunctional teams. The Chargers are the best of the dysfunctional teams. And I wonder about that organization. It's the West Coast version of the Roonies where you got a bunch of family members working in the organization. The difference is the Roonies know what they're doing. I've seen nothing from the Spanos family that makes me think they know what they're doing. So are they going to make a good hire if they move on from Brandon Staley? Are they going to get more out of Justin Herbert? Is it fair to have the conversation as to whether or not Justin Herbert's even a franchise quarterback? What's he done other than that Week 17 game a couple of years ago against the Raiders where he kept converting fourth down, fourth down, fourth down, and everybody's like, wow, this guy's good? What's he done since then? At some point, it's on him. So, yeah, I I, – I got more hope for the Browns. Oh, uh, oh, oh no, Jerry. Right now. Jerry. Oh, no, Jerry. Oh. We need major, major changes needed. Um, a guy like Boza just can't stay on the field and they're paying a ton of money. Uh, can Mac repeat this year? I don't think so. And Eckler just looks like he's not happy about the contract this offseason. And he's just, it doesn't seem like he's giving it 100% on every single play. I, I don't know, just major changes, and it starts with Staley, and it goes down there. I don't think the players believe in Coach Staley anymore. And uh, I, I think the only solution is getting Harbaugh out of Michigan and in the Chargers organization. Have a great day, and thank you for your time. You know, some people Thanks, think Jer- that Bill Belichick may end up with the Chargers, but one of the big questions with Bill Belichick, what guardrails do you put on Bill Belichick, the general manager? Because he's a bad general manager. He's a great head coach, and he overcame for years – his deficiencies when it comes to putting a team together. He's not a good general manager. And uh, I don't know that a team out there is going to be willing to say, here are the keys, just keep doing what you've been doing in New England, because since Tom Brady left, it hasn't been working. Do you think they would have won even more, Mike, if uh, if he had not been the GM in New England all that time? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that when he had Scott Pioli there and then Nick Casario after him, it helped balance it out. It all kind of fell apart. After Brady left, after Casario left, what are they really doing to get the best possible talent and developing the best possible talent? But Brady was the key. The Patriot way never becomes a thing without Brady. No question. Brady was so beaten down by the draft process, the 199th pick, he was willing to take Bill Belichick's crap because Belichick rode him all the time, made an example out of him so the rest of the room would know you're going to be held to this same standard. And it worked for 20 years almost, but then – it was time for Brady to move on, and they just haven't been able to replace him. And it's, I'll be stunned, completely and totally stunned, if Bill Belichick is back next year. The only question in my mind is where does he go and how does he get there? Does he get traded? Does he get fired? Does he quit? 
what happens. And, you know, within a few weeks, we'll probably get answers. Fascinating. All right, we got another caller on the line. One of, one of your old buddies. Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing, Flo? What do you say, Jimmy? Hey, I talked to your friend John Lane today and wanted, to know, wanted me to ask you if uh, Drew Pearson was a Hall of Famer and if you're still bitter about <laughs> the non-pass interference call from 50 years ago. I am still bitter. <laughs> I will always be bitter. December 28, 1975, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. The Vikings were winning the game 14-10. to Somehow the Cowboys drove down the field before the non-call of offensive pass interference that coined the phrase Hail Mary because it's clear that Drew Pearson shoved Nate Wright to the ground before he caught the pass. Before that, there was a controversial play where Drew Pearson caught a fourth down pass on the sideline and was clearly out of bounds, and they ruled it in bounds. So there were two horrible calls in that moment. The 75 Vikings were the best Vikings team of the 70s. They were 10-0 and before they finished 12-2. and It got short-circuited in that cheating Dallas Cowboys-Drew Pearson game. But no, I'm not bitter 50 years later. <laughs> You still with us, Jimmy? I am. Yeah. What else you got, Flo? I heard you once reported that Terry Bradshaw was dead. Is there any truth to that oh, story? Eventually, I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good Jimmy, point. give us a, give us a story growing up. You guys uh, had a good uh, growing up uh, neighborhood. I do. I think one time uh, Mike Florio may have donned some gloves and fought my brother Rick Payne. I don't know if that's a true story. Yeah, you know, maybe I got knocked in the head during that one. He was telling me that story when we went to that Steeler game back in September, and it's like, I don't know. Maybe that memory slipped through the through the wormhole on me, uh, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's better than having a memory of getting beat up. Beat not, but, hey, but, you know, I mean, somebody three years older than you at that time is like an adult. Like It's like taking on Goliath. I'll take that. Hey, Jimmy, how's Mike's barn? Mike's barn's spectacular. It's about... 4,000 cigars, a wonderful pool table. It's a, it's a pretty good setup. You get to go uh, You get to go once a year, correct? Yeah, Terry and I usually go down once a year. So it's not limited to once a year. The, the invitation <laughs> is always there. You make it sound like that. it's like a yeah, quota. You only You're only allowed once a year. Now get the hell out. And, and, They're welcome any time. And, and it's only those For you, it's allowed. a different arrangement. And only, I guess since I said that earlier. Right? <laughs> i got to jump in the wagon with you guys when you go down the next time, Jimmy. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty great hookup. All right, pal. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Good talking to you, buddy. All right. Good, so, bu- good buddy of Mike Florio back in the day. So, Mike, you mentioned that, that terrible Vikings loss. Um, any other Vikings losses? Obviously, there's been a, too many for you. Uh, how about the year when uh, Gary Anderson missed the field goal? How'd that one how about that one? I thought this was supposed to be a good experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to you want to make cry. trying to make me cry. It's trying to be a dark Christmas story. <laughs> 1998 was... Uh, yeah, it was such a magical year because Randy Moss from West Virginia. He he, I was watching the draft with my son, who was like a year and a half old at the time. The day that Randy Moss got drafted, and I remember the anticipation as he was trickling through right, right. the team because he wasn't originally going to go to Minnesota. It didn't look like right. The Cowboys were going to take right, him. The Cowboys right. told him they were going to take right. him. So he starts slipping down and down and down. And I remember thinking around twelve thirteen. In the draft, I'm thinking, hey, there's a chance he's going to be there at 21. 
And as it got closer and closer, I was getting more and more nervous, and I was allowing myself to entertain the possibility this was actually going to work. And then when they called his name at 21, I couldn't believe it. And then so to have it work as well as it did, right, right out of the gates against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coached by my good friend Tony Dungy that year, two touchdown catches for Randy Moss. And he just did it all year long. They had one loss in the regular season when they played in Tampa that year. And, yeah, Gary Anderson. Amazing. One of the best kickers ever. Missing kick the entire season. Extra point or field goal. 39-yarder to put the Vikings up by 10 points. And, uh, man, he missed it. What happened in that game, and now you're bringing up these memories, you're going to have to deal with them. (laughs) It was 20-7. to Right before halftime, and the Vikings got the ball back, and they got greedy, and Randall Cunningham dropped back to pass, and Chuck Smith came around the end, knocked the ball out. Falcons recovered. Next play, they, uh, next play they score a touchdown, 20-14. to 14. And I remember that, that 15 minutes of halftime, my stomach was in knots because 20-14 to 14 yep. felt so different than 20-7. to 7. And Dan Reeves, the coach of the Falcons, told them in the locker room, they let us hang around. Yep. We're going to go take it from them, and they did. And no, I'm not bitter about that either. Cool, Zed. Oh. Or 2009, or 2000, <laughs> or 1999, or every year of my freaking life. <laughs> oh, my. Tyler, ahead, you Tyler. got a question for uh, You mentioned the Buccaneers. I was just thinking, do you think there's any shot Todd Bowles makes it through the year or into next season? I don't think he'll be back. Uh, it was such a weird arrangement. If you remember what happened mm-hmm. after Tom Brady retired and then unretired and then – a couple weeks after that, Bruce Arians was gone. And somebody yeah. in the know told me when Brady came back, the next shoe to drop is Arians is out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's not going to happen in March. He's yeah, not right, leaving right. in March. And then he was gone. So he leaves. Ownership is kind of stuck at that point. Who are you going to make the head coach? Right. So we go with Todd Bowles. He gets one year with Tom Brady. And they really didn't care about winning a Super Bowl last year. Look. Football ultimately is a business. They say football is family. You hear that from yeah. time to time. Football, <laughs> yeah, is right. football is family because it's good to say football is family for business. Football is business. They say football is family to help the business. Football is business. And the Buccaneers made a ton of money the three years they had Tom Brady. Sure. This year they're not making money. This year the stadium is maybe half full. So I think Bowles is going to be out after this year. I don't know that, but I think it. And – that's one of the places where Bill Belichick could potentially end up. Although Ooh. I don't know that Belichick wants to follow Tom Brady's path to Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay will be interested in Bill Belichick. That's incredibly I saw intriguing. You say that. I, the two coaches I want to take over the Bucks is Bobby Slonick from Texans or Ben Johnson from the Lions. Well, and the thing about Slowick, who, and this is one of the problems when you look at what C.J. Stroud has mm-hmm. done with the Texans this year. When you have a defensive head coach and you have a great young quarterback – the offensive coordinator, who is the most important member of the staff as far as that quarterback is concerned, ends up getting a head coaching job elsewhere. It's the it's the Brian Dayball, yes, Josh yes, Allen effect. Yes. What have the Bills been offensively since then? The problem is you replace that offensive coordinator with somebody else, and maybe that person isn't as good. That's why I would always hire an offensive head coach. Mm-hmm. But but Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick, they may have more options. The Buccaneers' job, unless they're going to overpay, it's kind of like the Panthers, too. I wouldn't want that Panther job. I wouldn't want to work right. for David Tepper. Yes. I wouldn't want to deal with that guy. And it's obvious, based on his press conference this week, he he meddles, he micromanages, he knows best. He's going to veto everyone in the room if he sees fit. He'd have to pay me twice what somebody else would pay me. So the best candidates are going to have options elsewhere. The Chargers job is going to be the most coveted if it becomes available because they've got the quarterback, quarterback yeah. that you can look at and say, this was the old Bill Walsh saying, if a guy can do something once, I can coach him to do it all the time. And we've seen enough from Herbert to say 
we can make this guy into the franchise quarterback that we wonder whether he truly is. Okay. We got another call here for Mike Florio. It's uh, Jim on the line checking in. Pinerum on the Watchdog, sponsored by IC Cab. Go ahead with your question for Mike. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I love everything you do at PFT. Anyway, uh, I got a story about your dad, uh, how he yelled at me. Okay. I was a district manager for ADP up in Pittsburgh, South Hills, and we, uh, our dress code was we had to wear a suit. Okay, it'll get around to your dad here. But anyway, um, it was the first Saturday, Friday, it was the first Friday of May, which meant the derby was going the next day. So normally Fridays we'd work a half a day and we'd go to the Green Tree Inn, all the uh, DMs would meet the Green Tree Inn for cocktails and whatnot. This day I went to Mellon Bank on West Liberty Avenue, cashed my check, stuck it in my pocket. It was a nice check, about 600 bucks for a week. We got paid weekly. And uh, I head home. I get to uh, McCulloch Street, and I tell Lisa, I said, look, I got, I, I want to bet the race tomorrow. So I'm going to go down and bet the race. I'll be right back. So I have a suit on, right? I take my tie off. I walk in the door of your dad's place, and he's there at the end of the bar. And there's racing forms all over the thing. The headlight, <laughs> the top lights are on, you know, everything, the, the, the cigarette smoke, the whole nine yards. I walk in and look at him. I reach in my pocket and pull my money out and said, can I bet the derby? And he looks at me. He goes, yeah, it depends. I realize, oh. He doesn't know who I am, right? So I go, hey, my uncle's Earl Snyder, which is he was good friends with your dad. <laughs> and your dad goes, Jesus, kid, you look like an effing cop. <laughs> I, go, I didn't know. Then I'm, I'm trying to pay. Stop being dumb. You don't pay a bookie. You, you know, I'm like all the, I did everything. The A to Z's of how to better the book joint. I failed. That's I, great. That anyway, is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's what he says. Yeah, like, cop. Jesus Christ, man. And he said, how's your uncle? Okay, after that, let him respond. But that's my, that's my book story. So. That is awesome. Thank uh, you so much. That is great. That That's, you know... When you hear things like that, it kind of brings him back for a few minutes, and that that that's awesome. And I could see him. I could see him. I, I never. Yeah. He never got mad. He never got you know mad what? at he, home. You know how you dress, how he how he dressed. You described it when you were talking about your book. He had a, he had a blazer on with a, a little like a, with a matching pants, not matching pants, but he, you know, blazer with the pockets and everything. And everyone had those pockets. Like you said, you wore his blazer that one time. You found a clip in there. Yeah. That might have been the blazer he had on. It was like a bluish-gray blazer. He'd wear the dress shirt every day, usually short-sleeved dress shirt yep. with the polyester pants. He had, a, he had yeah, fedoras. I wish I, I wish I had kept one of his fedoras, but yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for the yeah, call, okay. Jim. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, Jim. That's a great story. I can't wait to tell my sister. Thank you. Great show. <laughs> Thank you. All right, as we roll on here with Mike Jubb, are we going to take a break, or do you want to – We, we might as well roll to the, All the right, bottom let's of the go. Hour. Let's Don't you guys have bills to pay? It's been 50 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we well, blew right through the hard break. It's all right. We're, uh, we're good to go on that. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about what's going on in the NFL right now, and people can give us a text or uh, call Jubb and pass the questions on to Mike uh, directly. So, Mike, who are you picking in this 49ers and Eagles game this weekend? Well, I think the 49ers. Yeah, the four, I've already picked the 49ers. I don't know. I don't know why other than, you know, it's Philadelphia. I, this is, I'm making the case against it. Right. In Philadelphia, the Eagles find a way to win no matter what. But the 49ers just 
have the most talent when they're healthy. Does the now, line tell you anything? Now, the minus three that they're a three point road favorite? No, no. It just tells me that they're trying to get equal right. action on both sides, sure. and then the bookies make the vig. But, <laughs> but I, my concern is there's going to be an injury to one or more key 49ers during the game that maybe affects their ability to win Sunday or affects their ability to beat Seattle next weekend because when the when the 49ers hit a rough spot this year it was when they didn't have Trent Williams their great left tackle they didn't have Debo Samuel and I think Christian McCaffrey was a little banged up even though he didn't show much of it but when they get one of their key players injured that's when they have trouble. And if they would suffer an injury like that early, like they did in the playoff game right. when Brock Purdy right, right, exited, right. then then it changes, changes everything. everything. Right. And and you know, we've been talking about this a lot on my my show PFT Live this week. That play that the Eagles do, whatever name you want to call it, the tush push, the brotherly shove, quarterback push play, whatever. They bring a level of brute force violence. Should do this. But I just wonder at what point a defense is going to say, you know what we're going to do? When it's fourth and goal from the six-inch line, we're just going to go early. Yeah. And we're going to plow them to the 50-yard line. And what's the downside? Right. It's fourth and goal from the three-inch line instead of the six-inch line. And it gives them something to think about. I just feel like defenses are so desperate yeah. to find a way to reverse this steamroll yeah. that the Eagles have. Because what it does, here's the real advantage. And this is why I think the Eagles have a chance to win this. Everybody else has first and ten. The Eagles have first and eight. Because yep. if they can get eight yards in the first three plays, they can get the last two. And that is a huge advantage to shorten the sticks for one team and not the other. Yep. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even that, – that like just blew my mind. You just said that. But we, we are in Steeler country. I want to shift a little bit here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's early, but was it Matt Canada's problem? Was he the problem for the Steelers? I think that he was part of the problem, mm-hmm. big part of the problem. But I think the real core is we don't know what Kenny Pickett is and what he's going to be. What does Kenny Pickett do that you look at and say, wow, yeah, that's something. Nothing. Yeah, that's Not much. big throw, no. High velocity, no. Quick release, no. Mobility, no. <laughs> what does he do? And then the question is, will the Steelers admit that maybe he's not the guy and go try to get somebody else. If Justin Fields is available, if Kirk Cousins is available, and he will be available, what would they do? What will they look for? Are they willing to roll up and throw away a first-round pick after only two years? But I think Pickett's a big part of the problem. And I talked to Cam Hayward about this after Sunday's win over the Bengals. He believes that they've got the recipe to win in the postseason because of the running game that's getting better and better and their defense. I believe that if you're going to advance – Far in the playoffs, you have to have a quarterback who can make a big throw in a big spot. And I don't believe Kenny Pickett can do it. Now, against the Ravens, he had that touchdown pass to George Pickens that won the game. But I'm talking about just one of those high-pressure, season-on-the-line moments. What do you do in that moment? And maybe we'll find out that, that he can do it. You know, some guys get in that moment. Like Joe Burrow, he's so much better in the postseason than he is in the regular season. Not that he's bad in the regular season, but some guys just thrive in that moment. And some guys are just too aware of the pressure, the Kirk Cousins mindset. (laughs) It's just too much, and you just kind of crumble in that moment. So we'll see. Kenny Pickett will have a chance to make a big throw in a big spot at some point. If Kirk's out of Minnesota, which he will be, um, where where are you guys going for a quarterback, or do you have any idea yet? I, I think that... The Vikings are going to do what they have to do to keep Kirk Cousins for a couple of years because, and I think it's in his interest. I think it's in his interest to stick around. I originally thought that what they were going to do after this year is try to 
trade up in position to get a franchise quarterback coming out of the draft. I think they recognize and he recognizes that working with Kevin O'Connell has gotten to the point where he can run the offense the way it's supposed to be run. He had the best game of his career six days before the Achilles tendon went at Lambeau Field. That night they beat the 49ers was spectacular by him. I think they want to load it up, run it back, and give it another couple more years. He's 35. He doesn't have a whole lot of time left. I don't think he wants to uproot his family. The question is, what's it going to take financially? And I'm a big proponent in players getting paid every last penny that they can make. And let's, uh, real quick, obviously we know the the teams that that are the the front runners. Give 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 us a surprise team or a team that could surprise in the AFC and possibly the NFC. A team in the AFC that could surprise would be the Denver Broncos or the Houston Texans. Now, the Bills can still make it, even though they're six and six. And right now I would say they're probably not going to make it. But when you look at the last three teams in right now, Browns, Steelers, and Colts. They're currently in the wild right, card right. spot. Seven and four, seven and four, and six and five. But the Texans, the Bills, and the Broncos have the better quarterbacks. I kind of feel like when we get through the end of the season, the teams with the better quarterbacks are going to find their way into those spots. So I guess it's a surprise if the Bills turn it around. That wouldn't surprise me. The Broncos have been very surprising. And the Tex- I know you asked for one, but too bad. No, I like, I like the and Texans. In the, in, the, in the NFC, I think the Rams are – a team that if they get there, they've got the experience from their key players, yeah. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Puka Naku has been a great rookie. They've got the coaching. They might be able to go in and upset someone. Like whoever gets the sixth seed and goes and plays the Lions could beat the Lions. Now, right. are you going to go to San Francisco and beat the 49ers? Are you going to go to tough. Philadelphia and beat the Eagles? Are you going to go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys? No, no, and no. You have to do that back-to-back weeks probably. Yeah. In the, yeah. but, but I think that, that the Rams could at least – be a team that would win on the road in the wild card round. How many teams in your in your mind can actually win the Super Bowl? Because we talk about it a lot on the radio, and I, I could really only come up with four to five. Uh, what do you think? Or is, are some of those dark horses enough of a contender that they right, could make a run? Let's do this. I haven't thought about it yet this okay. year. Because generally speaking, one of the coaches that I know really well says there are only ten teams in the NFL that ever have a chance any given year right. to win the Super Bowl, and the rest are just there. Yeah. But right now, let's say NFC, Cowboys, Eagles, Okay. 49ers. That's we agree fair. on that. That's, That's a fair. Yep. AFC. All right. <laughs> I had two. <laughs> Chiefs and Ravens. That was mine. And before uh, before Deshaun Watson, I thought maybe them because of their defense. But that was it. Th- those are the two that now, I had. Now, if see, if the Dolphins get the one seed, they could get to the Super Bowl. That's yes. Are the Dolphins gonna win if they're playing the 49ers? Are you gonna take the no, Dolphins over the 49ers not on a neutral site? Not taking them Are you gonna the take Eagles. the Dolphins over the Eagles on a neutral site? No. Dolphins over the Cowboys on a neutral site? That's closer. Yeah, closer, but so probably maybe no. <laughs> uh, let's say okay, let's say five and a half. Right, I agree. That's, that's Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers, Chiefs, Ravens, and half Dolphins. Yep. And nothing against the Jaguars, but yeah. and you know what? What I think helped the Jaguars was getting beaten so badly by the 49ers a few weeks ago. Since then, because I thought they'd go one way or the other. Right. Since then, they beat the hell out of the Titans. Yeah, and, and a they nice went win to last Houston yeah. and beat the Texans and avenged the 20-point loss they had in Week 3. I think they learned by seeing how the 49ers handle their business. Last year, the turning point was the loss to the Broncos in London. Trevor Lawrence right. said, I understand if I'm ever going to be anything in this league, this is what i got to do. Maybe this year, when we get deeper into the season, we'll hear from some of those guys saying, you know what, seeing how the 49ers do things – is the main reason that we had the spark. So I don't rule them out. i got to see more, though. Yeah. I don't know that they beat Patrick Mahomes with the season on the line or even Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar Jackson hasn't had much playoff success if it was Ravens-Jaguars. And we'll see them. I think we have them coming up 
at some point before the end of the season. We'll see. That'll help figure out who has the one seed. But I think the one seed is going to be really important in the yep. AFC. One, we got a couple minutes left with you here, Mike. Uh, one thing that I always want to get your input on, I always wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you this the last time we had you. So the NFC South, where you're going to have a team potentially with a really bad record hosting a playoff game, is it ever going to come to where the owners decide that that's not going to be the case, that the betters, you know, they could be hosting Dallas or somebody that's got a, a six more wins than them. Would that ever change, or do you see it no. always staying that way? here's why it won't change. Because they want the home game? Because every team, in theory, has a one-in-four chance of hosting a playoff game every year. All you have to be is the best and of four bad teams. it comes back to the business part of things. It comes back to the money. <laughs> they like knowing that, that no matter what else is going on, we have an opportunity, if we're the best of four teams, right. we have an opportunity right. to win – the division, and host the playoff game, not going the road. It's horribly unfair. Think back to the Beastquake game where the Saints had to go to, New, to Seattle. Seattle yes. And, oh, the better team won. Well, no. You play a game in New Orleans. New Orleans is defending Super Bowl champions. Their record was four or five games better than the Seahawks. The New Orleans would have won that game easily. And that's the concern this year. New Orleans wins that division. If they do, right now they're not technically in first place. They're five and six along with the Falcons, but the Falcons have the tiebreaker. If New Orleans brings in the Cowboys or the Eagles – one of those two teams is going to be the five seed. I don't know. Do the Saints, do they make it loud enough that night? The oh. domes are rocking, don't go a-knocking. I mean, <laughs> you know, do, 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 the, do the Saints pull off the victory, which would be the right. flip side of what happened to them 12 years ago when they got screwed out of what should have been a home game for them? Yep. All right, wow. well, we got to let you run, Mike. you got other commitments. We appreciate you spending an hour with us. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck the rest of the season, and we'll talk to you soon. Best right, of luck I with the book. Merry Christmas it. to you and your family as well. Thank you so much, guys. It's great being with you, and I... Open invitation, but only once per year. <laughs> Just for to the barn. I love it. And, right. when I, and, and I'll have a party when I start working at NFL Network. That's absolutely. I'm invited to that. <laughs> All right, that's Mike Florio. We're the Pine Room. We're on the Watchdog. We'll take a break and be right back. Lime and local talk is just around the corner. Stay right here on the Watchdog.